we can build really strong numeracy brains in early childhood, it is going to allow us to build really solid number sense with kids. And kids are no longer going to be memorizing procedures with concepts they don't understand. You're listening to Elevating Early Childhood, where we believe in leveling the playing field and bridging the gap between the world of preschool, pre-K, and K-12 education. I'm your host, Vanessa Levin, and I went from a pre-K teacher of 20 years to a passionate advocate for high-quality early childhood education. I truly believe that the work you do, yes, you as an early childhood professional, is absolutely crucial, not just for your students, but society as a whole. I believe that you deserve to have the tools and training that you need to do your job well so you can really embody your role as a professional educator and your students can achieve their true potential. Listen in each week as I bring you real conversations with me and other early childhood teachers and experts where our mission is to guide you on your journey to becoming the most well-equipped and highly trained professional educator you can possibly be. All while helping you teach smarter, not harder, so you can live more. And there might even be a little humor thrown in here and there just to keep things light and fun. If you'd like to get started upping your early literacy game today, check out my book, Teach Smarter, Literacy Strategies for Early Childhood Teachers on Amazon. I'm your host, Vanessa Levin, and on this podcast, I'm going to share the tools and training you need to teach better, save time, and live more. If you're ready to get started teaching smarter, not harder, then head over to prekpages.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by ESGI, an online assessment tool that makes sharing your students' progress toward early learning standards quick, easy, and fun. Today's guest is an international consultant and author best known for helping teachers embed developmentally appropriate numeracy concepts into their classrooms. She's the creator of popular teaching tools like My Counting Buddy and Deck Odots. And she's also the creator and executive producer of the Math Mites show on PBS. It's my good friend, Shannon McCartney. So thank you so much for joining us today, Shannon. We are thrilled to talk to you here at Elevating Early Childhood. Yay, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. Yeah, and if you are listening and you attended our Sort of Success Summit before, then you may already be familiar with Shannon and her work. So we're super excited to talk to you about, is that where math learning begins? Is it we start by recognizing numerals and then we can move on to higher calculations? I know what you'll say, but tell (laughs) our viewers, because, you know, I'm thinking about all the classrooms where there's number posters everywhere and we're doing number activities all the time. Not to say that we don't want to teach kids numbers. They do have to identify them eventually. Right. But we're we're all about working smarter, not harder, and also understanding precursors to things yeah. like identifying numerals in the preschool world. So our numerals, the be-all, end-all, let us have it. Um, Shannon, we're excited. Yeah. So so it's kind of funny because my son, you know, he's in seventh grade. We always think of like preschool. And I do remember there being a poster in the classroom and it was 
who could identify their numbers one through 20. And I remember Connor's name wasn't on it. Looking in his portfolio, he didn't recognize 13, 14, 15. And I'm like, oh, he's a boy. He's fine. He's in, you know, in, in preschool, all girls and boys in preschool age don't even necessarily know all of their numbers to 20. And do they really even understand what 13 is, you know? And I think a lot of kids don't, they see it as a one and a three. Find yourself dreading the school bell? No, not the one in the morning. I'm talking about the afternoon. You know, the bell that lets you know your littles are gone for the day and you can get back to that mountain of planning and prep work on your desk. After that staff meeting, of course. Some things are just unavoidable for early ed teachers, just like those pesky staff meetings. But being overworked and overwhelmed? doesn't have to be part of the job. Not if you've got the right combination of knowledge, curriculum, and support. That's where the Teaching Trailblazers program comes in. It's the program for pre-K teachers who want to bring their A-game to their students and still have a life. Go to teachingtrailblazers.com to apply today. If you think of numbers a lot like letters, they're just symbols. And if you don't understand what's behind the symbol, I think it gives kind of a, a skewed view of what kids can really know. It's kind of like kids come in saying the ABCs and they can count to 100, but does that really necessarily mean they have all of the readiness skills? And I think we see a lot of, you know, that focus feels like we have these checklists, like they have to know all these sight words and all these numbers. And that that's what's going to give them the readiness for kindergarten. Right. When in fact, there's so many layers like be behind the before we get right. to what's called the abstract. And so that first layer really of numerals is really getting kids to have what's called kinesthetic one-to-one -one correspondence. And so where kids are walking on poly spots and really seeing when they're walking, are they are they counting it one, two, three as they're walking? We just screened many kids and even kindergarten this year that don't have it. They're walking and they're saying one, two, three, four, five, and they're not one-to-one. -one. And so we like to use just even like gym kind of poly spots or like if you think of like a rubber base mm -hmm. and kind of putting even garage sale stickers on it, but not putting the digit on it, putting the quantity. So one through five could be right. dice. And then six through 10, I usually do like a, like kind of arrange the dots in like a 10 frame. So five at the top mm -hmm. and one at the bottom, have the kids walking um, see if they can just walk from one side of the room to the other side of the room and watch their little feet and see, are they one-to-one -one corresponding? I think the students that don't have kinesthetic one-to-one -one correspondence, that is the very first level that we have to work on in numeracy. Of course, the layer that comes before that is play and counting in real life experiences, um, you know, with Legos and, you know, counting cars and all of those things. Um, it is important to know for kinesthetic one-to-one, -one, a child has to count to 10. So if you have kids that are counting one, two, seven, five, you know, you want right. to make sure first that they have the rhythm and the pattern of what we call beat competency in math first, before you can really assess that um, kinesthetic layer. So let me ask you this, for our viewers or listeners out there who are thinking about a child in their classroom or maybe their own child at home, if that child cannot walk on the spots or whatever it is, you know, we've seen all, we've seen all those great like viral videos all over the internet over the last couple of years with kids doing that kind of thing where they're walking on spaces and doing all this yeah. type of stuff. But if their child their preschool child. So we're talking about ages three to five. If they can't do that yet, 
is this cause for panic? Is the world going to end? Tell us. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, if we see kids, you know, I've, I've just recently worked with some coaching in some schools where I saw some first and second graders where I was a little bit, I was concerned. Um, but no, that's like the best developmental time. And sometimes with the poly spots, even take off the, you know, six through 10 and don't even worry about it. But getting kids to play and march and clap, you know, and replicate patterns. So if I'm, you know, tapping my head and then my shoulders. Now you repeat the pattern, head and shoulders. Mm -hmm. And so if parents and teachers know that we need thousands and thousands of experiences mm -hmm. with kinesthetic learning and, and pattern and understanding, we have stations in the preschool classroom where we have bean bags and there might be a laundry basket and the child is going to throw bean bags to the basket and see if they can count while they're while they're doing that. They can um, do lots of things like walk on a big lazy eight and count their steps. And I think for the kids, they really think, Vanessa, that it's just fun. They think, right. you know, we're not, but what we're focusing on is every time they're counting that they're starting to understand the rhythm because I think a lot of us worry with littles, I call them math for littles, that they don't have one-to-one -one counting. Right. And people panic that they're not, they're trying to do it slow and they're trying to be exaggerated, you know, with the way that they're counting one-to-one, -one, when in fact, that really isn't the issue because that's a layer above. That's the concrete, like a manipulative, mm -hmm. the layer before concrete is kinesthetic. And so you want to make wow. it quick, fast, and fun. And so it's when yeah. can we ever, when we're walking down the hallway, we're going out, you know, for recess, um, things like skipping and jumping jacks and crossing midline, all of those are those readiness skills. But the ultimate goal right. would be that a child could count to 10 with somewhat of a one-to-one -one correspondence. I love that because what you were just describing with all the kinesthetic examples that you gave one thing that I really want to call attention to for our listeners or viewers is, is that you don't need stuff specifically to mm -hmm. do a lot of what you were just talking about. Yeah. You were talking about um, throwing beat. Well, beanbags is one. You do need stuff for that. But you were talking about patterns, clapping, touching, things like that, where you were moving your body. And I think yep. that that is super important. And I think that that often gets lost in the translation because we can see sometimes children who don't have a deeper understanding of numbers, number sense, you know, the kinesthetic, all that, they can identify a numeral, sure. Babies can babble, you know, it, it, it doesn't yeah. mean that they're fluent in that language. Mm -hmm. So we say, well, they must be ready because they can identify these numerals. And I really like how you're taking it several steps back, really, because you were talking yeah. about how this kinesthetic comes even before the touching, the one-to-one -one touching. Is that right? Did I get that part right? Yeah. So the kinesthetic piece comes before that. So I think a lot of people mm -hmm. panic that their child or their, their preschooler can't touch and count appropriately. Right. And they're kind of repetitiously working on that when you're kind of working on the mm -hmm. wrong area. And so if they have the yes. kinesthetic one-to-one, -one, then absolutely their brain is ready to start to work on, you know, all of those countings. The bean bags, a lot of my parent workshops we just do balled up socks. So if you don't right. even have like, you know, you could just be tossing yeah. and do a laundry basket. I have like a million oddball socks. So <laughs> Exactly. I've even seen, yeah. and I, I haven't tried this yet, but I want to, where you take little sandwich bags and you can fill them with your filler of choice and then pretty duct tape. You know, there's all that beautiful yes. duct tape out yeah. there. Make your own bean bags. I mean, I don't sew. Most people these days don't, but yep. um, 
be creative and do it on the cheap for sure. But I really, yeah. really like, I feel like a light bulb just came on in my head and I hope in our listeners and viewers heads as well, that so much of what we do in early, the early childhood classroom that, you know, singing, moving, clapping, yeah. stomping, all of those things you were talking about walking in the hallway and all that, all these things we do, we do with purpose. There's a mm -hmm. reason yeah. behind why we do them. There's a reason why we use music. There's a reason why we do all these things. And I think that's so important for us as professional educators to understand the why behind the what. And I do completely agree with you about how we um, sometimes tend to focus on the touching one-to-one, -one, yes. but we've neglected that other part first. I know I was certainly guilty of this in the classroom because our assessments that we had to give yes. our four-year-olds didn't have the kinesthetic component. So I didn't make that connection. And I hope that um, everyone listening understands that when we know better, we do better, right? I mean, Absolutely. I am learning right now as we are speaking. And I've spoken with Shannon on this topic several <laughs> times, right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. you sometimes have to hear things a number of times before they start to click in yeah. your brain. And there's no shame in that. Looking at screeners, you know, like when I ask, mm -hmm. what is the preschool protocol? Like, what are you looking for in kids? And I often in most preschools and young fives that I'm in, I say none of that has to do with numeracy and number identification and counting, you know, doesn't, I mean, yes, it eventually will move into to number sense, but we actually have a kinesthetic one-to-one -one correspondence screener that we give kids to see really where they are. And then looking at the idea of conservation, which I'll talk about next, but I think that feeling of identifying the seven. Do you know what the seven is? But it's just like if a child can point to the letter, you know, T and they, if they don't know it, they just know a symbol, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. We often are looking at the standards that we have to teach, right? The end mm -hmm. results. The standards are always the yeah. end result. And we think, okay, I have to have my kids counting to, you know, insert the, the crazy number here by the I end know. of the year. Yeah. And they also have to learn how to do all these other math skills that the standards or the guidelines in their state have laid out for them. I don't have, it doesn't say anything about that kinesthetic stuff here in the standards. No, it doesn't. And I don't have time for that. And so mm -hmm. I think that's really, really important to understand that the standards or guidelines, depending on where you are, are only the end result. They don't always include all the precursors. Yeah, I kind of describe this level, Vanessa, is like rhyming. Like, so this mm -hmm. is the phonemic awareness for math. And so I try, because yes. I have ironically a, a master's in reading, um, but I really try to get teachers to make connections from what they understand about literacy and math. And so when kids are rhyming, you know, you're going cat, hat, and they're going water bottle. And you're like, no, I want you to come <laughs> up with something that rhymes. But we can't really make a child you know, so you wouldn't teach a kid to read if they right. didn't have phonemic awareness. It's the same right. thing for math. If, you know, I think of the poly spots are like rhyming, like I can't make a child have kinesthetic one-to-one, -one, but I can provide a lot of really right. great fun and exciting experiences for that child to get that. And I think that's what is important when teachers can see, oh yeah, I, I understand my literacy brain. Now I understand that in my math brain. Right. And I think that's a good, um, 
Yeah. It's a good connection. That's yeah. a great example for somebody like me who's a total literacy nut. <laughs> you know, that's it's yeah. a perfect example. Thank you for that. So we talked about the kinesthetic and yeah. how important that is and how that would be, you know, one of the most basic places to start. And then you talked a little bit about um, touching the objects. Where do you want to go yeah. from there? As a teacher, especially in public pre-K, no matter how long you've been teaching, you have to demonstrate your students' growth over time. And love it or hate it, it's usually done through assessments. Ugh, what a bitter pill to swallow. But that's why I want to tell you about my favorite spoonful of sugar that will help the assessments go down, ESGI. ESGI is a digital assessment platform that helps you keep both parents and administrators up to date as you quickly and easily demonstrate how each of your students is making progress in meeting those early learning standards. With ESGI's automated tracking and reporting system, you can collect, track, and demonstrate detailed student progress over time. You can easily access easy-to-read charts, graphs, and reports, and the app will even convert your raw scores into your very own report card grade scale. So what are you waiting for? Start working smarter, not harder, when it comes to student assessment. Just go to ESGISoftware.com and enter promo code PREKPAGES. That's P-R-E-K-P-A-G-E-S to try ESGI for free for 60 days. And you can even save $40 on your first year's subscription. Now, let's get back to the show. So I think, you know, the next after the layer we call our kinesthetic layer is really what we call conservation to a number. And so the child's brain actually, by the time they turn four, can grab onto what's called conservation to five. And a lot of times we get into this idea that people have heard a lot about supatizing and supatizing. I should be mm -hmm. supatizing in my classroom, but I don't really understand what it means or why I'm doing it. And so Supatizing is never going to be on an early childhood checklist to say, hey, if you can supatize, like you're going to be a math genius. But the part of that we want kids to understand is conservation to a number. So after they start getting the idea of this one to one counting, and even if it's just to five, it's start to time is to start to help them with conservation to five. And I always describe it as I have five fingers. I'm never going to grow any more fingers. I hope I don't lose any fingers, but that's always five. And just working with kids this week that were in kindergarten, they're looking at five and two. And even though she knew it was five, of course, they're like one, two, three, four. So we get these kids, you know, after they get the kinesthetic and they start to understand the manipulative base of just five. But a lot of times, if you flash them a five frame, they oftentimes are going through and counting. And a lot of the programs in preschool, young fives and kindergarten, so many teachers in the last month of being in classrooms are like, no one ever told me my, I just start with the 10 frame. But there's so much to be done in what's called conservation to five. And that's a really great year, like in a preschool year, you know, we spend kind of half the year on this whole kinesthetic idea and a lot of beat competency and all that readiness. And then like January and February, those kids are ready to start to understand conservation to five. Um, and we have a lot of kids you know, in kindergarten that are still working on that, especially with the amount of learning loss that I see in schools. But it's just being able to see, you know, that I have a five frame, you know, here that you could see, okay, I, I can count, you know, count this way, I can see one, two, three, four. But asking kids, how do they know? 
a lot of kids, I just sunk it in my brain. I'm just really smart. Um, but how did you know it was five? So it's about getting kids to not for us to be the giver of all the information and constantly auto-correcting kids, giving kids time to digest what they're learning that I know it's for because it's two and two, or I know it's for because I see three and one, or I know it's for because there's one empty. Um, and so I think that next layer is is that, but it's not just in that five frame. It's the five frame horizontal. It's a five frame vertical. And it's five in a distinctive scatter. So it could be like a dice with five or um, four or even three dots on the top and one at the bottom. And so we have a whole progression that we want kids to go through. And we actually screen on that to see after they've passed this kinesthetic screener, where are kids on conservation to five? Can they look at a five frame horizontal vertical and maybe see a dice? And without counting, just like that, they tell you this part of the brain is is called the conceptual part of the brain, which is the same relationship as concrete. And so we have a lot of concrete learning going on with students, but we often aren't building the conceptual part of it. So if kids mm -hmm. are constantly counting on their fingers they're never putting anything conceptual. So I don't want teachers to go much higher than one-to-one -one counting, maybe to five or 10, before they start to build that conceptual part of the brain because it's lost in so many of the kids. If, they, if I can go into a school that we are new working with and I know that they don't, there's no numeracy foundation and their number mm -hmm. sense is terrible because like you said, it's that onion, it's the next layer up. Yeah. And so I feel conservation to five is, I find a lot of teachers, they're not, it's like, I don't have that in my preschool. I didn't know that I should spend mm -hmm. this much time. It's more like match 10 frogs to the number 10. Right. You know, and that's, right. that's not where we're at yet. Right. Right. Yeah. I really, really like what you're saying because they just don't teach you that in teacher school. Right. No, they don't No, And I don't understand why not because I think about all the children I had in my classroom over the years, and I'm just thinking about how much they would have benefited from me having this knowledge. And specifically, I'm thinking about, you know, when the Common Core first came out, you know, the world was in a tizzy. And yeah. um, so they brought in trainers to our school district, our public school district, where they were going to explain how the Common Core was teaching math, you know, because that's I still hear it now and then on the internet. You know, I don't understand how to do my help my kid with, the, yeah, I don't know how to help my kid with their homework because I don't understand this math. And so they came, they brought trainers in, and they taught us how to think the way the Common Core was teaching things. And I was like, wow, this would have been great for myself as yeah. a student and somebody yeah. who self-described doesn't like math. You know, basically not good yeah. at math. Um, and I was thinking, would this would have been great if I had had this when I was learning these skills as a child, but they never got down to that level where you're talking right now. It was all about the math skills we use as adults. And I'm yes. like, wow, that would have been so, so helpful as far yeah. as teaching young children. So um, we can go on and on and on about all of this stuff, but we've talked about those two layers so far. What else should we know? Um, and I agree with you, you know, we're, we're quite often just focusing on the numerals, but where should we go next? 
So I think it's important when you have this five frame and kids are getting it, you want, because everything we've talked about so far, like the number line does not have numbers on it on purpose. The five frame does not show a digit. So once kids are starting to build this conceptual part of the brain, that's when you want to start to pop up that number. Like, hey, this is a five frame. It has five. And we correspond to look at that number. But kids getting to see that five, you know, is decomposed or broken apart into, mm-hmm. you know, three and two and four and one. And so it's getting kids to see that idea. Now, as far as writing numbers, like I find that as, you know, that's a fine motor skill of getting kids right. just like to write their letters. Um, mm-hmm. But you want just to bring in digits with the combinations of things that you're doing. You don't necessarily need to do it at the kinesthetic level because it's just a very play-based way. But as they're starting to understand the five frame and correspond that that is four, it's uh, most teachers panic when I said, you're not going to teach your teen numbers. You're not going to do them in rote. I want you to teach your teen numbers in the double 10 frame. Teachers panicked when I was working with kindergarten, but Shannon, I got a, I got a 14. I said, they're going to get it better because they're going to see a full 10 frame with 10 mm-hmm. and four. And then when you put it together, it's 14. You drilling and killing on this as a teen has no right. substance for students. And so right. I think you have to do it in correlation with what you're doing. And so the numbers one through five would be great to be teaching while kids are understanding that quantity, they're seeing, you know, that symbol. And over time with repetition and kids just seeing numbers in their environment, they're going to pick up on that. Mm-hmm. But you're going, I always say, instead of a mile long, just covering stuff, you're going a mile deep. You're getting kids mm-hmm. not just to recognize five. They're understanding the parts of five and what makes up five. And that whole idea of counting and cardinality, you know, is really being developed at that kinesthetic level that it's two mm-hmm. and three more is what makes, you know, five. So a lot of that um, connection to what we're concerned so much about is that number ID just naturally comes as you're, um, you know, as you're working on those different things and that they understand what seven is. Cause I'm looking at seven. Wow. And I don't know yeah. that it's five at the top and two at the bottom. Right. I just know that it's a seven, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> yes. I'm counting on my fingers. Yeah. So. That's great. I love it. Now I know that you have created something that is so cool and so <laughs> useful for well you've created a lot of things over the years but this most recent one is yeah, super impressive kind of fun, yeah <laughs> tell us tell us a little bit about that venture and how that helps teachers and children yeah so one of our latest ventures that we didn't expect to happen but covid actually was a blessing i've always wanted to get my things on video and recording um, but i'm often in schools every day and you know that hustle but that's like presenting and and being out in schools and so covid kind of was a blessing where we were able to kind of build a studio in our house um, my husband's a tv producer um, was a tv producer for good morning america for 16 years and so we thought during COVID, hey like let's put our talents together and started just recording videos and kind of did an SIS for students that's on our website that, you know, parents could watch. And uh, we ended up having something amazing fall on our lap from PBS and Detroit Public Television um, was starting a new channel in Michigan called the Michigan Learning Channel. And so we were one of the first original programmings that they um, sought out to see if we wanted um, to use the Math Mike characters. I'm actually on the set of the show um, right now. And to see if the math mic characters that I developed um, would want to be part of a show. And so we work 
you know, in schools, K-12, I primarily will go up to like sixth grade, but like three years old to sixth grade. And I had developed a, a line of characters that I really wanted students to understand after this layer that we were talking about. It kind of goes to CPA, which is concrete pictorial abstract. And so we were asked to see if we want to develop um, a show around the characters that I developed. The characters kind of start more, we have some like mini math mites, we call them for, you know, early childhood, but we have the math mites that kind of start in first grade. And the idea is that you could learn, I asked some of my friends with me, our strategy with DC, he likes to decompose numbers, right? So even in preschool, when we were just talking about the idea of decomposing, we were taking the five and breaking it apart. But DC loves to decompose and compose. That's why his hat says DC. Um, but he can do this with fractions and decimals and larger numbers. And so my big goal for schools is what we're teaching in preschool, the same philosophy and foundation for what we're using in fifth grade. So the MathMite characters allowed us to be able to do that. And so our show is called The MathMite Show. And it is, we have to date recorded 200 shows. I think I'm crazy, uh -huh. um, but they're a 16 minute TV spot. I'm a second grade teacher on the show, but we brought in a first grade kindergarten and third grade teacher. Um, I wrote all, I'm the content writer. So I wrote all of the content. And then my husband and I, um, Scott McCartney have co produce the show together. And so we had 112 shows release um, K3, which for preschool, you can totally use the kindergarten shows. They have all kinds of great early childhood things in it. Um, and then we are releasing another 48 shows. Uh, eventually, we'll build up to the, the full series. So they just started out coming out on Monday, actually, the new shows. And they correlate to what you're teaching in class. So they're for parents, teachers, and students. We have this character that I just love is T-Pops and he does the traditional way, which a lot of our, you know, he's balding and has a cane and I made him old on purpose. Um, but this is the traditional method that you and I learned and all the parents are like, who's DC and value pack? But the idea is that the traditional way isn't the only way, right? That we have Siri to do the traditional way. And so for kids today, we want them to have a large number sense. And so every show um, is for free if you go to mathmites.org. Um, the shows are actually licensed in the TV station world in Michigan only for three years. We hope to get it out to other, um, you know, other broadcasting areas across the country as we finish the series. So it's been a huge honor um, to partner with the Michigan Learning Channel and to be able to provide um, this type of resource for, you know, for everybody. So if we don't live in Michigan, where can we see the Mathmites show? Our specific page for math is just mathmites, M-I-G-H-T-S dot org. And then you'll see, you can go to the kindergarten first, second, or third. Okay. And I have teacher guides behind why I presented all the things I did in the show and why I taught it the way I did. And if we can build really strong numeracy brains in early childhood, it is going to allow us to build really solid number sense with kids. And kids are no longer going to be memorizing procedures with concepts they don't understand. That's amazing. Now, I just realized that my nephew is now he's five so he's in your target market and so yes. I'm gonna make sure you know because my family is from Michigan so I'm gonna make sure they follow math mites on TV yes. so I think he would really enjoy that and I love those little stuffed animals if you had had or if I had had stuffed animals when I was learning math <laughs> I 
was all, I think that would have been so helpful, have something to connect with. Um, But you also mentioned, I I heard you mention a couple of your flagship products as well um, to help young children. And you can tell us a little bit about those and where teachers can find them. You know, our little counting buddy, this is a math manipulative that I designed that um, is on a macrame beaded system. We have a counting buddy, junior and senior. And this is essential in, you know, really pre-K through um, our second graders need the counting buddies seniors a lot this year, but it's seeing 10 in a linear fashion because kids memorize the 10 frame. And if they can see five and some more um, are break apart and show the different numbers. The other part of the show, they're kind of pictured, uh, I guess on that side, um, as our deco dots. And so deco dots is um, our character called Austin, who's on the show quite a bit. He flies around with the cape and he's a supertizing superhero. Um, But that is games because you just want this to be fun. It doesn't need to be a worksheet. No worksheets are going to do what I'm talking about. I think that kids need those hands-on experiences. And the deco dot games provide lots of numeracy. And so we have all kinds of free videos on our website. Um, Our website is SIS, the number four teachers.org. And that's kind of all of the hub of all the different things. I have some series that I've done on there called Math for Littles. Um, And I've also done SIS for students during COVID and everything is free. Like just grab it and download it and use it in your classroom. Um, And I just wanted, you know, for teachers to be able to have stuff that they can get that's really good but that understands, you know, kind of the layers that we're talking about today. We will have links to everything Shannon mentioned during this episode on the blog. So if you want to go there after you're done listening, go to pre-kpages.com. And then if you're watching on YouTube, just go right below this video and you'll see the video description. And in that box, we will put links to all of Shannon's Uh, different things she talked about, her website and the math mites and all that good stuff is going to be there for you. This has been such an exciting conversation, Shannon. What are some parting thoughts that you have for our listeners today? Because I can just see them in my mind thinking, okay, I am going to have to make some changes to what I'm doing. Where do I start? Like, set us straight. Yeah, so I think... I am a big proponent with what I'm talking about is you have to go slow to go fast. You know, hey, I wouldn't mind looking at my preschoolers to A, make sure they can count to 10 and then C, do they have kinesthetic one-to-one correspondence? Like that would be my first thing that I would think of just seeing. And if they, and if they don't have it or they only have it to five, where in my day can I spend seven to 10 minutes, three to five times a week, just saying, we're doing this. We're going to, we're going to march and count. We're going to, you know, replicate pattern, but we're going to count with it. We're all going to walk. I have, you know, little like floor tapes in preschool classrooms and they just have that number line. The kids are marching to the numbers and counting and that seven to 10 minutes a day results in five. Let's say you do it five days a week. That's 50 minutes a week that that child is getting a really good instructional match. And that's where you find your largest gains. If we're working way up here and our kids are down here and we're trying to memorize numbers and and trying to force kids to do something that they're not developmentally ready for, they might pretend that they get it, but the layers before it are kind of rotting. And so I feel like if you can start at that layer and just say, that's my goal. And that might be your goal this year. Like I tell teachers, like we can't make good change happen. This isn't a bandwagon. It's not a cute idea. It is, it's the, it's the brain development of a child in numeracy. And I think it's really important to understand that and say that I can make good change happen at a slow pace. Cause I feel like we're trying to implement everything under the sun 
faster than we can even comprehend what we're doing. Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you so much, Shannon McCartney. Yes joining us today it's always a pleasure to talk with and learn from you and um until next time i'm vanessa levin this is shannon mccartney onward and upward thank you so much for listening to elevating early childhood do you have a question that you'd like me to answer raw and uncut right here on the podcast all you need to do is head over to apple podcasts and follow these three simple steps step one Leave an honest rating and review telling me what you think of the podcast. Step two, in that review, ask anything you want related to early childhood education. And step three, if you'd like a shout out, leave your Instagram handle or name for me right there in your review. That's it. Easy squeezy, lemon peasy. Then listen in each week for a chance to hear your question answered right here on the podcast. Until next time, I'm Vanessa Levin from Elevating Early Childhood. Onward and upward.